2 Corinthians chapter number 9. I'll begin reading in verse number 5, 2 Corinthians chapter number 9 and verse number 5. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet out of reverence for the reading of God's Word. As the Apostle Paul writes to those in Corinth concerning a great need, a need that was a concern for this Apostle, a need that I believe was put on his heart by the Lord, It was a need of those that were suffering, those that were in poverty, those that were struggling in the city of Jerusalem, those saints. And the Apostle Paul, as he was led of the Lord, began to receive collections from churches, even in the Gentile world, that he might receive those finances and take them to those in desperate need in Jerusalem. And he writes ahead of his trip, before his arrival to remind those in Corinth that he'll be receiving this collection as they have been so faithful already to do, as you can read on your own at the beginning of that chapter, chapter number 9. And then he says these words in verse number 5. Therefore I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before unto you and make up beforehand your bounty... Whereof ye had noticed before that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty and not as of covetousness. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he has purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. As it is written, He hath dispersed abroad, He hath given to the poor, His righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both ministereth minister bread of your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causeth through us thanksgiving to God. For the administration of this service not only supplieth the want of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. Whilst by the experiment of this ministration they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ, and for your liberal distribution unto them and unto all men." And by praying, by their prayer for you, which long after you for the exceeding grace of God in you, thanks be unto God for His unspeakable gift. Father, I pray that you would help me this morning. Dear God, that you would empty me of myself. And Lord, that you would fill me with your Spirit. And Father, I would speak along the lines of this text with the power and guidance of your Holy Spirit that nothing would be confused or lost upon my delivery of the text, but Lord, that you would speak clearly. And Father, we're praying this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. It wasn't so long that I... So long ago that I preached from this text specifically out of verse number 8 and God God is able to make all grace abound toward you. And I preached a message entitled, What to Do When You've Been Given All Grace. 
And I have had these things on my heart and, and in my mind for some time since these. And I like to preach again from this chapter, but in a much different emphasis here this morning. As I look through this chapter, I, I notice that the Bible commands to give. And if I would be completely transparent and honest with you this morning, it is with some tenderness that I come and I preach on giving. There is a stigma in the world today that pastors and preachers, they are money grubbers and they preach on giving that they might, might give it to themselves. Because of that, on the other side of the spectrum, there are men somewhat like myself who have such a desire not to be confused or mixed up with that sort of delivery and and demand, but yet I have such a tremendous desire to be faithful to God's Word. And when I look towards the needs of the church, and more specifically to the needs that we as a church desire to give to collectively, whether that be in missions or in growing ministries of the church, I realize and I am reminded that God has a pattern for giving that He desires all believers to participate in. And not begrudgingly, not out of necessity, not because the pastor said so, not because the deacons demanded it, nor that they might, be, that they might grow in their own personal prominence, but instead that God might receive all glory and all honor and all praise. And that is the goal of giving. Some have said and asked this question, what is the purpose of money? And you might have your own way of answering that. I have never heard a better answer than what Pastor Jim Shetler once uh, preached towards me. He said, the purpose of money is twofold. There's only two purposes of it. It is to live and to give. And every other use of money can fall under one of those two categories. It is either part of our living or it is part of our giving. So I ask, what should be the pattern of our giving? I won't give a whole treatise on this this morning, but biblically there are two types of giving. The first is the tithe. And the Bible teaches that a tithe it is a tenth or a portion of our first fruits or of all that we receive. The Bible says that this tithe is the Lord's. It is not ours. Malachi chapter 3 verse number 8 says it this way, Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. You see, if it was not rightfully the Lord's, how would the Lord accuse his people of robbing him? And everything that we receive by the work of our hands or by the kindness of others, a tenth of that is to be given back unto the Lord through our tithes. You say, well, where do we give our tithes? Well, Malachi chapter 10, verse number 3 says it like this. It says, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. In other words, the tithe is given to the house of the Lord. And here in the New Testament, that house is right here. If you're a member at Valley View Baptist Church... Your tithes should come here. And if you're a member elsewhere, your tithes should go there. And if you're visiting, your tithes should come here. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Amen. All right, I like that. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. 
But your tithe should go to the Lord. It should go to the Lord. And we should be faithful in this. Not because we, not because we have to be. But because we can be. And it's what the Lord asks of us. It should be done out of a love for the Lord and out of an act of worship. Do you realize that worship literally is bowing down before the the Lord? In other words, in every act of worship, there's an act of surrendering oneself to God. And oh, we ought to surrender what is rightfully the Lord's in our financial giving. But there's another type of giving we see in the Bible. Not just tithes, but offerings. Many times here in this church, we'll have a a special speaker. Last week, um, evangelist Mike Clark was here. And and I want to thank you so much for being faithful to giving to him and his ministry. Uh, That gift was not a tithe. That was an offering. An offering is something above and separate from our tithes tithes, uh, that we give. Sometimes because there is a special cause. Perhaps there's a guest speaker, an evangelist who doesn't have a normal income and by faith he goes from church to church as the Lord opens the door to do that and and we give that he might have those things that are necessary for him and his family and we see that all throughout the Bible. In fact, Epaphroditus delivered a gift from those in Philippi to Paul and the Apostle Paul. His response is that, that he is... Uh, That he has everything that he needs in the Lord, but oh, how grateful he is for that gift, for it is for his abundance that he would have that. So these offerings are not tithes, they are separate from it, they are for a specific cause, a need of those that are serving in the ministry, also a need for those that are suffering, and that was the case here in 2 Corinthians chapter number 9. Uh, For those that are in dire uh, concern financially and are in need of help. Now, I recognize I'm approaching the church a little bit differently this morning because I want to be so instructive in this. And I think it's healthy and good for a church to know how we operate for a church, a local church, is an individual body of Christ. And just as individual homes may conduct their finances differently, all under the authority of of God's Word, but in a different practical way, here at Valley View Baptist Church, we have a strong heart for benevolence. And we don't always go before the church and take a special offering, but what we do is we consider every need that is among us, and our desire is never to embarrass anyone which is why you often don't hear about the giving towards the needs that are in this sanctuary. But for those that are here listening to my voice and have been a recipient, you know that my words are true, that we desire to give to those in need and to do so in such a way that's not an embarrassment, but an edifying of that believer. Not that they ever have to feel that when they come into this sanctuary that they are a a debtor to the rest because nobody else even knows. I love that. Here's what gives me such great confidence is that I know I'm preaching to a church that gives. You have given to evangelists and you have given to missionaries. You've given to me and to my family and to the staff and have taken such good care of us. You've given on a whim and a moment's notice when a need has been identified. And I have seen a heart of cheerfulness and a heart of enthusiasm of giving here in this church. 
And as we close in on our missions revival, I want such clarity, scriptural clarity in how we give and, and why we give. And I want to, to come to you straight from the text of God's word. Because here in a few weeks, I'm going to pass out a number of cards. And some of you are familiar with faith promise. And some of you may not be. But basically here in two weeks, not next week, but the following week, I'm going to give out a number of cards that you might identify what kind of missions offering, which is not the tithe, but missions offering that you desire to give. Now, this gift might be a one-time gift. It might be once a week. It might be once a month. Uh, but, but what we do is we give you an opportunity not to sign your name to it so that we know who's giving and who's not. That's not our job. But so that we might know the heart of the people and how much you desire to give to missions this upcoming year. But see, this is not a tithe. This is an offering. But how should we give? How should we give? Well, the Bible gives us a guideline here in this passage. The Bible tells us in verse number 7 that every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. There's something that I want you to notice very closely in this passage. And, and this is going to be my, my launching point as we examine not just this passage, but also John chapter number 3. And you may say, well, Pastor Jared, what on, on earth did John chapter 3 have to do with giving? Give me just a moment. And I want to show you. But first, let's look at verse number seven, if I could, just by way of introduction, if I could say this, that every man should give, notice this, according as he purposeth. My goal is not to stand up here this morning and tell you what to give, but I do want to show you how. In the heart of giving, I want to show you how. I don't want to demand any specific amount or, or anything of you, but I want to show you what the Word of God says about how we give. And our giving is so closely related to the condition of our heart. And that's what we see in verse 7. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. So as we examine the text this morning, I simply ask this, to be honest between your heart and the Lord and allow the Lord to do whatever work needs to be done, either in affirmation as to how you already give, or conviction in how you do not, or perhaps restraint that you have been giving for the wrong reason. For the Lord loveth a cheerful giver. The Lord loveth the one who does not give out of necessity, but out of a genuine love for the Lord. And I like to preach this morning a message entitled, and I know you're looking at the time and you're getting really concerned right now. Don't be, please. But I want to, to examine this, that, that since Jesus is the greatest example in every facet of our life, and he says in Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, he says, take my yoke upon you. Interesting, a yoke is, a, is an implement of labor and work, isn't it? And the Lord Jesus Christ does labor, and he is active in his work. And he says, take my yoke 
upon you and learn of me. In other words, the greatest way to learn about any facet of the Christian life is to use the example that Jesus Christ himself set forth in front of us. And I think we would all agree that Jesus gives. Jesus gives perfectly. In James 1.17 it says every good gift and every perfect gift is from, a, from above. God gives not just perfectly, but plentifully. Romans chapter number 6, verse 23 says it this way. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift that's giving, but the gift of God is not just life, but eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus gives perfectly. He gives plentifully. It's the writer of Philippians that says, but my God shall supply, in other words, shall give all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. In, Micah, in Malachi chapter number 3, verse 10, it says, prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open to you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Jesus, he gives perfectly, he gives plentifully, and he gives, I like this, phenomenally. I like that. That's a P, by the way. Phenomenally. And look in this text, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse number 15. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. And we love looking and examining the scripture of how God has given to us. And we should. We should glory in the graciousness of his gift. In that perfect and plenteous and phenomenal giving that he supplies to us. But as we examine the way that God gives, may we give in the same way. And now I want to walk through just three things quickly. That when I look at the way that God asks for us to give and the way that God gave, I see an example that should be set forth for us. And that example is clearly stated in John 3, 16. And now, you're welcome to turn there if you like, or uh, we can just go off of memory because some of us, we know it so well. So let's go ahead and do this. I know it might feel like we're in Sunday school. Uh, maybe we'll feel like we're going all the way back to our junior church days, but, but let's do this. Let's all stand up together. Don't worry. We're not going to do Father Abraham. We're not going to be waving our arms around and talking about as many sons, but I would like to, to, to together out loud quote or read John. John 3.16. Now, official um, Bible we've got here is the King James Version of the Bible, so just want to make sure we're all on the same page there, all right? So, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. John 3.16. I love how you included the reference there at the end to that. Thank you. You may be seated. You know, I noticed first out of John 3.16, the pattern of God's giving. How does God give? First off, he gives of his own sincerity. For God so loved the world. And I think about the measure of God's love. And if I'm not careful, I'll be preaching until church tonight on this. But can't we all take a look 
at the work that Jesus Christ did and be reminded that the Bible says that for God so loved, not only does it say that, but it says that he shows his love for God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us and that was motivated by something. That was motivated by his own sincerity. It was not forced on God for you cannot force anything on God. God was not manipulated to give his own son. It was not that some, you know, well-dressed evangelist showed up in heaven and and told God to open his Bible and, and used a moving emotional illustration to get God in the mood to give of his son Jesus Christ. No, it was of his own sincerity. It was of his own heart. For God so loved the world. And thus we see the very beginning, the opening pattern for giving. And if you think that that giving must be out of duty, you're missing the most essential part. For God loveth a cheerful giver. God loves the one who is giving out of this overflow of love in his own heart. And why? Because it is, it is a demonstration. It is a following of the example given to us by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. In fact, when Paul is writing to the Uh, To those in Corinth, uh, he wants to make sure that they're giving in that same way out of sincerity. And Paul knew this simple truth that sometimes in order to realize, in, in order to well up the love that we should have in giving, it is important to see the need. Couldn't we all agree that God saw our need? For while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's what caused him to to commend his love. It's because he saw the need. And if you're here this morning and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, he sees your need this morning. He knows that it is appointed unto man once to die and after this the judgment. He knows that the wages of sin is death. God knows that there is none righteous, no, not one. And if God does not intervene by sending a sinless sacrifice, God knows that every single one of us are destined for an eternity in hell that we might, that we might have the punishment of our sin poured out on us. And if you're here this morning and you've never received Christ, you've got a God that loves you. And a God who loves you so much that he's willing to give the highest price in order to purchase your forgiveness and to redeem your soul. This is a glorious thing. Oh, sometimes I don't do so well at giving. And be transparent with you, I I don't always do so well at giving to my wife. And when she calls me on it, it's like I immediately want to go out and, and, and give a gift. But then she reminds you, you're just doing that because I told you to. <sighs> Can I get an amen from the husbands in the room? <laughs> My husbands, I don't know why we don't do better. I'll leave you out of it. I don't know why I don't do better. But you know, God did not send his son, Jesus Christ, because you told him to. He did so because he loves you. Oh, and what a pattern for our giving. 
Oh, that it would begin with a love for God. And he loved you because he saw your need. And here the apostle Paul is trying to open the eyes of the Corinthians that they might also see the need. That's why he says in in verse number one of chapter number nine, he says, for as touching the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you. Now that's a fancy way of saying it's important that I write to you because this need is persistent. It still exists. In verse number 12 of this, it says, for the administration of this service not only supplieth the want of the saints. In other words, hey, there is a want of the saints. There are those that are in want. There are those that are in need. And what's he trying to do? He's trying to open their eyes to the need so that their hearts might be stirred to give out of sincerity, out of love, and not just because they're being told to. And when I think about the need that this world has, oh, my heart gets stirred to give. Here next week, we're going to have a number of missionaries in. You heard if you were in service Wednesday night, if you were serving in Awana, I thank you for your service but you missed a wonderful video from one of our missionaries, Roy Pustum. And he just started talking about how grateful he was to this church, to Valley View Baptist Church, for giving to the need there at Harvest Baptist Church in Trinidad and Tobago. Uh, most recently, we, we doubled his support as we did for many. I think there were 16 or 17 missionaries that we doubled their support monthly. And he made this video just to say, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Because this is going to a need. When I think about our missionaries all over the world, there they are. They're relying on the giving of this church and others to meet the needs of their ministry, whether they're serving in an impoverished nation like Pakistan or whether they're in India or whether they be in Haiti or Iraq, they're up under so much opposition. And I just want to remind you that as we give and as we consider what to give in our missions giving and in our faith promise giving, may we be reminded that the motivation should not be a command, but instead our compassion towards the need that we might give in the same way that God did. He gave of his own sincerity, as should we. When I look beyond this, I, I see not only did he give of his own sincerity, but he gave of his own substance. For God so loved the world that he gave the very next word. We, we skip over it and we run straight to that glorious word, only begotten son. But we forget that, that possessive pronoun, his only begotten son. He gave of his own substance. Oftentimes we will receive an, an offering and, and sometimes we may have in mind, well, I, I hope somebody gives. And what we need to realize is that God desires for us to give of our own substance. 
For the Lord Jesus Christ, when he came, he came as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. I like to say it this way, that Jesus was not just the Son of God, but he was also the substance of God. For he was God robed in flesh. He was 100% God as well as 100% man. And when the Father sent the Son, he was also sending of himself that he might bear the sins of the world in his own own body on the tree that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed and when Jesus came he gave of his own sincerity and he gave of his own substance and when we look at this pattern we ought to be encouraged to do the same for he expects us to be the ones to give you know it's amazing to me that the work of God is funded by the giving of God's people. Now make no mistake, God can do things whatever way God wants to do things. In fact, it, in the, the epistle to the Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 1, verse number 1, it says that God who in sundry times and in diverse manners, and there's no doubt that God can do things in a diversity of ways. And if God wants to supply the need by by crumbling a nation and allowing uh, Israel to consume that, that wealth that, that his name might go forth and God can do it. There was another time where an army had surrounded Jerusalem and God caused that army to flee away and it was found by some lepers. You all know the story. And they came to the king and told the king that all the spoil of this army was left over and yes, they received those resources into the house of Israel. And yes, there are those diverse ways. But let me tell you, the one way that God consistently uses resource to accomplish his purpose is by the giving of his people. Then that's what we see in this pattern. Why is it that Paul was, was receiving offerings from other believers to provide for this need? Because that's how the economy of God works. How does God give? God gives by supplying to we, his people, the things that are able to be given. Look at verse number 10. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower. I mentioned this several weeks ago as I was um, preaching previously, but it, um, it needs to be mentioned once again. Where, who are we? We are the sowers. And where do we get our seed? What's well, given to us by God. That's what the verse is teaching. Now he, speaking of God, that ministereth seed to the sower, both ministereth bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. And, and here we have a, a glorious um, explanation of how God gives. He gives first to his people and then he stirs in the heart of his people a sincerity, a compassion, a love for the work of God and then stirs their hearts that out of the abundance of their heart that they would give too. And this is how God gives and he gives of his own substance to you that we might give of our own substance back to him. You see, in Psalm 24, 1, the Bible says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Everything we have is God's. We are His. My house is His. My car is His. His tie is His. It's all the Lord's. 
If the Lord wants to transfer it from me to someone else in need, then blessed be the name of the Lord. And we pray that he open our eyes, that we see the need and stir our hearts to give sincerely and that we give of our substance. And the last thing I notice is this. I, I see in this text of scripture something that is, is interesting and amazing to me. Look with me at verse number 12. The Bible says, for the administration of this service, in other words, when that which is received here goes to the need in Jerusalem, for the administration of this service, not only supplieth the want of the saints, but notice this, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. We read further in verse number 13, whilst by the experiment of this ministration, they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ and for your liberal distribution unto them and unto all men. Look at verse 14. And by their prayer for you, that's those that receive this offering, and by their prayer for you, which long after you, notice, for the exceeding grace of God in you. Thanks be unto God for His unspeakable gift. What is it teaching us here? It's teaching us that when God gives, he, he gives of his own sincerity, he gives of his own substance, but he gives for his own splendor. Now here we have a group of people that are giving to another group of people that are in need, but who gets the glory? God does. God gets the glory. It is not for the praise of Valley View Baptist Church. It is not for the praise of the individual giver. It is not for the, the propagation of our own name, our own prominence, our own status. It isn't so that we can bling out and buy million dollar jets. No, it is for the splendor, the majesty, and the glory of God. And here we have a group of people that received this gift. And what was their response? I love the end of verse number 12. But it is abundant. In other words, there was no guesswork. It was overwhelming. It was a cup that was pouring into need and was overflowing and wasn't just overflowing in provision, but the response was just as abundant as the gift. And the response was this, but it is, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings, not unto the church at Corinth, not unto Paul, but unto God. think, wow, this is how God gives. Sincerity and out of his substance and for his splendor. You know, I, I, I look at this and I, I read in verse number 13 that as those in need receive this gift... It says that while by the experiment of this ministration, they 
glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ. In other words, they're glorifying God because you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ by the grace of the gospel. But then there's that, that, that wonderful conjunction. And they're also glorifying God for your liberal distribution unto them and unto all men. And who gets the glory? God does. God does. God does. He is worthy. He is worthy of it all. He may not ask for it all. I could be honest with you, it would scare me to death if he did. But what he puts on our hearts to give, let us give. Let us give out of sincerity. Let us give from our substance. And let us give for his splendor. Not for the name of a church, not for the name of a person, not for the name of a family, but for the name of Jesus Christ. You know, I think back to John 3, 16 and I can become so self-centered in that passage because I am the greatest beneficiary of the passage. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And here's the next part. For whosoever believeth in him, that's me. As a young boy, I bowed my head and I became one of those whosoever's and I stepped into this glorious thing called eternal life. You say, what do you mean you stepped into eternal life? I thought that happened when you died. No. No, John chapter number 10 teaches us that I give unto them eternal life. It's something that a believer in Jesus Christ has right now. It can never be taken away. Glory to God for that. Glory for his gift. His unspeakable gift. Verse number 15 of this passage. Oh, and I think, oh, I'm such a beneficiary of this. But I, I realized something that, that God saved me. Not just for my benefit, but God saved me for his glory. Did you know the Bible teaches for, for we all, we, we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And God is most glorified when we humble ourselves and confess our sins and cast ourselves upon the mercy and the grace of Jesus Christ and become saved that He might receive the glory. Why do you think God is so glorified in Revelation chapter number 9 when that heavenly host of saved individuals gathers around the throne and sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and open the seals thereof for Thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by the blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation and has made us unto our God kings and priests and we shall reign on earth and yes there's a great benefit for us but it's all for his glory oh and the passage continues that the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice listen to this 
Worthy, worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all of them heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne. And why is it that the Lord redeems us? Yes, we benefit because we are forgiven, forgiven, forgiven. But oh, it's all that he might receive the glory for he is worthy. And even in the giving of his son for our sin, he did so for his splendor. We don't often see giving in that way. God help us to look through the lens of Scripture, to place ourselves under the authority of God's Word, to examine how God gave, and that we would give in kind.